Hello and welcome to a series of horrors. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am Jeff from America. And today is a very momentous day in the a series of horror podcast history. Yes, it is. It is the end of our very first season, sort of. Sort of, yes. At least the end for now of the Saw series. Because today we are finishing up with Jigsaw, the last movie that was released as of now in the Saw series. Yep. And so this movie was released in 2017, but Spiral will be coming out sometime in May, is it? Yeah, May 2021 is the tentative date unless it gets pushed yet again. I think May 20th or thereabouts. Very exciting. I'm hoping that it's better than this film. But anyways, we'll get into that. You're on your first go watch through all, all these. This I watched in 2017 when it came out and haven't seen it until the other day. How to hold up the second time. I remember liking it when I saw it and liking it a little bit less now. Hmm. So I don't know if it was just when I was watching it in the theater that I'm in the theater. I like the Saw franchise and it's been 10 years or whatever. It's been seven years since the last Saw movie. I'm so happy to be seeing a new one. And I just and I just enjoyed it so much. Could be that. And also now watching it now after shotgunning the other seven movies it doesn't feel like a saw movie when you're watching it so closely to everything else Mm -hmm. it's a different vibe and i (sighs) there are so many plot holes man so many because even the the last four or five movies they haven't been the best that we can all agree on but at least the plot holes that exist there are some but it feels more interwoven and concise it just feels like they were thinking about all right we're going to set this up and we're going to pay this off later we'll set this up we'll pay that off later like they're kind of walking through it here it was just we have one movie we have a twist we got to do at the end we don't know what's going to be yet but we're going to do one and movie time let's go and we have tobin bell back so yay yeah let's get into it because <laughs> there's just too much for me to say honestly <laughs> oh boy uh, can't wait can't wait Can't wait. All right. So this movie opens on a police chase. Police are laying down some spikes to stop a speeding car. It crashes after its wheels are uh, busted. The driver breaks through his window to escape and runs into a warehouse. He's followed by police as he makes his way to the roof. He sees there's an X marked on a pipe and runs over it and grabs. At first, I couldn't really see what it was. So something behind the X. He then is telling the police that there are five people that are going to die. And he's asking for Detective Holleran, who from now on in my notes will be known as Detective Douche. (laughs) I can see why. That's fine. Uh Uh-huh. So Detective Douche arrives on scene and he tells the cops to get back. He greets Edgar by name, asks what the fuck he's doing. He tells him to put down the remote, and Edgar says he can't. He asks what's it for, and Edgar explains the games are just starting. Detective Douche is asking what game, and Edgar's like, his game, his rules, I gotta choose who dies, them or me. The cops are threatening to shoot him, and we have who, at first in my notes, is called Trigger Happy Cop, but then we find out his name is Keith later. But he's like, I got a shot. Detective Douche tells him not to take it, uh, aim for the remote. And then Edgar says, I'm not fucking dying. And he pulls the trigger on the remote. And as he does that, all the cops shoot at him. His hand blows off. And then he says the game, it started and falls down. In between this, as he like pulls the trigger, we do cut to like a quick shot of a timer starting somewhere. A camera turns on and there are five chains hooked into a wall. But then we get font time. All right. So what do we think of the font? So. 
we already discussed this, but yes, you really like this one, right? I do. It's, well, I can't say it's my favorite. I think Saw 6 was my favorite. The one that had the money and like the little fade effect on. Yeah, it was four and five had like the double shadow font effect. And then we both agreed that six was the better one. So I think, yeah, Saw 6 was my favorite font so far. This one. It it was very stylized, so the title is obviously Jigsaw, we've mentioned that, and it's these 3D jigsaw like puzzle pieces that are all in like this metallic silver color, and they create the word Jigsaw. It looked like a Marvel movie font to me. They, I don't know. It was just very stylized and did not feel like a Saw font to me. It wasn't creepy at all. Not creepy at all, but we are living in a movie, in a Marvel movie world right now, so it made sense why they went for it. If it was a different movie, I wouldn't be mad at the font, but yeah. like many things, it just did not feel like a Saw movie. It just hit me a little while ago. What about it makes it me not feel like a Saw movie? Everything was so clean. <laughs> yeah. Saw, even like the cleanest parts in the original Saw movies were dirty. It was just like they went to the dirtiest parts of Toronto, grimed them up a little bit, and then started filming. But here, it was just so clean and pristine. Just didn't feel like it was a dingy world like Saw normally is. Yeah, I totally see that. And like all the traps, too. They were all shiny and new looking where before it looked like found objects put together to make this like gross and the funniest thing is, this movie might have one of my favorite traps or games in it. The very last one with the shotgun has to be one of my favorite ones in its simplicity. Not doesn't make it a good movie, but it, I just really enjoyed it. They should have put that in one of the other movies. Yeah, I did like that one as well. But let's get into it. So we then cut to the timer. It's at 10 seconds and counting down. There are five people with metal buckets attached to their heads and there's their eye holes cut out. There are chains that are attached to their necks and to a wall with circular saws sticking out of it. All right, now, did this remind you at all to the Saw 5 trap when it was five people chained by their necks being pulled to a wall? It did remind me a lot of the Saw 5 trap, but I guess the chains are going in the opposite direction this time. And we got some tape time on the loudspeaker. Tape time! I'm sure you're all wondering why you're here. You deny culpability, no doubt, for the circumstances in which you find yourselves. Salvation can be yours if you cleanse yourselves of the habitual lies which have brought you here. Lies that you have told yourselves, lies that have brutalized others, confess. The truth will set you free, but any attempt to violate my rules will kill you. I want to play a game. First, an offering of blood, no matter how little, will give you a green light. We then see that there are red lights that turn on on top of their buckets. To escape from this room with your lives, if you can release yourself from your demons, you can begin to shed the chains that those demons bring with them. Make the simple blood sacrifice that I've requested or face severe consequences. The choice is yours. I think the timer, there's a timer that starts now, right? I don't think there's a timer on this one. The timer was for them to wake up, and then it's just that the chains start retracting into the wall. Yeah, so four of them are up. One person doesn't wake up, mm -hmm. and he's pretty much laying on the ground being dragged towards his fate. There's four other ones. Mm -hmm. There's our gentleman at, at 11, because we need one. Yeah, wow, it's, it's this guy. Right, it's Dave. What's his name? Uh, Ryan? Ryan? It was Ryan? Um, no, Ryan was the motorcycle one, right? No, that no, was Mitch. That's Mitch. So Ryan is the douchiest of them. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to say this now. These people aren't memorable. The girl is memorable. 
other than that, and then the other guys are being he's being a jerk, so you kinda remember him. Mitch is he's white toast. He's doesn't he's nothing. <laughs> I was gonna say cardboard, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. For somebody that's there for the reason he's there for, they should have got somebody creepier or skeevier or something. He, yeah. He's just very bland. Very bland and boring. Just nothing. See? And you and you thought Gibson was boring. No. This guy, <laughs> boring. And one of them, interesting girl, uh, she figures out in order for them to live, they need to give out a, a drop of blood. So she cuts her arm on the mm-hmm. circular saw, like on her forearm. And when she does that, it stops. Yeah. She gets the green light on her bucket and she's able to take the bucket off her head. Yeah. So then, and then the rest of them, then she tries to convince the rest of them to just do a little bit. And I think Ryan does the his finger. So Mitch goes to try to do his finger, but then the chain like tugs like suddenly very quickly and he ends up cutting his arm. Ryan also offers off his arm and then we'll find out her name is Carly when her chain suddenly pulls she's like thrown backwards into the wall of saws and she's no good in, she's no good under pressure i'm just gonna go there now if you're ever stuck in an emergency with carla count you um carly just <laughs> carla it's i carly all right so <laughs> if you're stuck i carly in a in a trap or something um just Give up. You're going to lose. Don't go. Don't take her to an escape room. She's going to sit in the corner and just pout. I don't know. She's not going to be able to handle this. Mitch, I think it pulling the chain pulling on him saved his finger because it's no, I think. His finger would have been severed. Yeah. I see him trying with his finger. I'm like, this is not a good idea, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't. And when did they introduce themselves? Because they're just throwing each other's names out there all of a sudden. Uh, they do. No, they introduce um, themselves once they're in the next room. There is a point where they all kind of. Like Mitch says, my name is Mitch. What's your name? And they all introduce themselves. I do have that note. Oh, because I was thinking Ryan's just starting to calling everybody by name immediately. I'm like, all right. Oh, no, he wasn't calling people by names. He was like, hey, sugar tits and honey and lollipop. (laughs) Like, he didn't (laughs) use anyone's names. (laughs) Could have been nicknames or, um, or I should say middle names. Maybe just only called Mitch by name, you know. (laughs) No, Mitch Mitch is sugar tits. I'm joking. (laughs) He he wasn't. He wasn't. Okay, anyways. Um, The knocked out dude, he wakes up suddenly and like right when everyone else. So the chains are still pulling, uh, but the wall with the saws, it turns out each one has a door that opens once they have their blood sacrifice and the chains are pulling them through the doors into the next room. And so the woman that we'll find out is named Anna is from the first one that figured out the blood thing. She's screaming at the guy that's just woken up that he has to cut himself. He has to cut himself. And we see him being pulled backwards into the saw wall and his door never opens. Oh, and also mention this. The original movie starts off or the original Saw franchise. You're basically in, either in a warehouse, in a dingy bathroom, in an abandoned zoo. In Freddy's boiler room, you're in some weird industrial place. Here, you're in a nice calm farm. Yep, they're in a nice little farm. And I'm watching this movie like this movie needs Frankie G. Why? Why do we need Frankie G? Because Frankie G is the only one in any movie ever. Granted, he was the one stuck in the house. He was like, wait, these walls are made out of wood. We could break these eventually. Come on, let's do this. We don't need to do these damn games. And I'm thinking the same thing watching this movie. I'm like, Frankie G would have just tried to someone kick one of these barn wood doors and or walls or whatever to get out of here. He would have. I mean, Mitch tries, but he fails miserably. No, see, he's too boring. The wood, wood the wood's not gonna, it's not gonna break for him. He's like, listen, you're too boring. I'm not, I'm not caving for you. Be interesting, maybe. And this, and here, and the, in these games, there's more. They have tools. Like every room has stuff in it. They can mm-hmm. pick up to do things with. Oh, every single room. There's pitchforks and axes and poles and pipes. It's just stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, Anna eventually does try, but we'll get there. So they enter into the next room through the doors. The next room is the barn, as we've mentioned. And the chains we see are attached to winches that are pulling them forward. But then the winches stop pulling them and we cut to the hospital. We see our trigger happy cop, a.k.a. Keith. And he's looking over Edgar, who's in a hospital bed. He's saying that he hit the remote, but nothing happened, as far as they know. Do you think that the game is real? And Detective Douchebag says, I don't know. Detective Keith asks, why do you think that Edgar asked for you in specific? And Detective Douche explains that he put Edgar away twice and that he's a sociopathic meth head. He's been in prison for assault, battery, armed robbery, and drug dealing. Did we mention, I don't remember, um, when he was on the roof and he got shot up, that there was one shot that went into like his chest? Oh, I don't think we did. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned that part. Detective uh, Halloran, right Halloran? Yep, that's his real name, but Detective Douche in my notes. <laughs> Detective Douche, um, he tells all the cops to aim for his arm, for his hand, for the remote, I should say. That's why his hand gets blown off, but one shot goes into like his chest, stomach area. Mm-hmm. Just under his heart. Yeah, and you hear Halloran saying, all right, who who didn't aim for, for, his, for his hand? Mm-hmm. So that's like a little, somebody's trying to, somebody actually tried to kill him. And we don't know who it is. Dun, 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 dun. There wasn't that much dun, dun, dun in this one. Like, there really wasn't. All, uh, no, I think I heard it twice. I heard it later on. It was like a slowed down version of it, mm. like the emo version of it. <laughs> emo is fast beats usually. Anyways. Um, okay. So <laughs> The sad boy version. Look at that. Sad boy with an eye version of it. <laughs> Detective Douche is asking the doctor uh, that... He needs Edgar awake for questioning, and the doctor says that he's in a medically induced coma till he stabilizes. There's no timeline. She's not sure when he'll be able to wake up. We then cut back to our victims. The man that we will know as Mitch soon is trying to kick his way through the barn door while he's still chained up. And Blondie, a.k.a. Carly, is freaking out about her cut-up back. Uh, The brunette Anna is applying something to her Carly's back to help stem the bleeding. And Mitch yells at the camera, like, Jennifer Love Hewitt in I Know What You Did Last Summer, as per usual, because there always has to be one, (laughs) with hands out to the side. What do you want from us? Well, why are we here? All right. mm-hmm. Oh no, this is a problem. They start figuring, trying to figure out why they're there. Right? Yeah. So Anna says the voiceover said, "Salvation is your is ours if we can cleanse ourselves of our lies." And I wrote clearly, only one of you has hearing comprehension in this group because she's the only one who's like, "Guys, did you hear that that voice coming from the sky? It said some things." All right. I, Carly, was hysterical, so she didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. We have Mitch. He was just bored. I don't know. He's boring. He was thinking about something. He was thinking about toast. Some toast. Mm, just some and some water for, for dipping on the sides. That's it. And um, that's a Simpsons reference, by the way. <laughs> right over my head. And the other guy's thinking about, like, cocaine and and, and hookers, probably. Yep. And drugs. That's right, right. Because uh, he says to her, like, what, this is some kind of fucked up confessional? Honey, my soul is clean. I don't know where that accent came from, but it did. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. It works. Uh, Anna calls him out saying like, what, you have nothing that you need to confess? Like, whatever. They all start introducing themselves at this time. And I'm like, yay, we got names. How exciting. (laughs) And this went totally over my head. All right. And now this is my Saw 6 reference. Is it 6? 
what? No, no, no. We're back in Sawfly. It's still Sawfly reference. When all the people they that they're trying to figure out why they're all there, what what sins did they do that they have to confess to to get out? Mm-hmm. Just like them trying to get to know each other in Sawfly. You know, that's yeah, that's true. Very similar vibe to that. But then we cut to this woman who's in a park. She's locking up her bike and going for a run. She sees there's a crowd gathered looking at something, looking quite disturbed as she's running under a bridge. And we see that behind her, there's a body with a bucket on its head hanging from the bridge. And she turns, she sees it, and she does her huge scream. I feel like this movie did a couple who tried to do callbacks to the original movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely did, but it still it fell flat for me. But anyways, we cut to who we'll find out is Logan, but he's the coroner. And right now he's playing catch with his daughter in the park and Detective Douche pulls up in his car smoking a cigarette. And I I already have in brackets, I really dislike him so far. (laughs) (laughs) Logan says that his phone was off for a reason and then Detective Douche waves him over to come. We then cut to the autopsy of Buckethead. They remove the bucket from his head with this like super insane laser tool that I was like, is this a thing? Are laser pens that cut through metal like just a normal thing that coroners have? I don't know. I don't think so. It seems rather high tech for a police department that fucking sucks. Anyways. Maybe Detective uh, Trigger Happy. Maybe he's not really so much of a bad cop. He just likes killing things. I, I have questions for him later on how he was so misled. But anyways, we see once they take off the bucket from this man's head that half his face is missing. And there's a jigsaw piece cut out of, I think it was his neck. I didn't write down where it was cut out. It was, um, I think, behind his ear. Yes, so around his neck, like behind his ear, because that's where they pull out the USB drive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The female coroner says that someone's been reading up on John Kramer. Is it a copycat? And Detective Douche says, I hope not. He, he's been dead for over 10 years. Logan uh, and Trigger Happy greet each other. This is where we find out that Trigger Happy's name is Keith. And Keith says that he joined Homicide last month. Then uh, Detective Douche is asking how they know each other. And Keith explains that Logan was their medic in Fallujah, which is a city in Iraq. So they were in the war together. Keith says sorry about Christine to Logan. Then Logan goes digging inside the jigsaw piece cut out of the victim's neck and he pulls a flash drive out of there it's engraved with the words and then there were four it's funny i'm seeing the flash drive it doesn't have the same feeling as the dictaphones with the little tape recorder thing yeah you know it's cool and all but it's not the same i have a lot of problems with the high-tech approach that this saw took because as you said it's all too clean and then it's all too high-tech it's just it's not the same vibe. Yeah, because you're the one. He is an engineer, and everything's very made at home. It looks like he made it himself. Mm-hmm. Here, it looks very fancy. This stuff was sent out to factories. This stuff looks like it was constructed by Lord knows who. Especially that last, the collar thing at the end that they use. That looks very fancy. I just have so many comments. We'll go. We'll, we'll get to them <laughs> as we go. They plug in the flash drive to the computer, and it's take time. MP3 time? Yeah, I guess. MP3 time. That's not the same. It's just not. <laughs> It's so much more fun to sing tape time. But MP3 time. (laughs) The games have begun again, and they will not stop until the sins against the... Page flip. (laughs) Innocent are atoned for. I will take care of the next four. You take care of the rest. Detective Zouche says, take the drive to voice recognition to have it analyzed. At this point, I just have a question, and I should have asked this question honestly in past uh, movies, Mm -hmm. like when they analyzed the whole voice recording for Hoth. 
that was like a bit more like because they were trying to like see if they could hear that it was whose voice it was and if they recognized the other person's voice okay that one I it didn't bother me as much but this one's like we're trying to authenticate this and whatever as to whose voice it is and so I had to do some research into voice like recognition evidence so it is possible apparently there is a machine like that reads people's voices and your voice has its own unique fingerprint in theory with this machine but it's not completely reliable kind of like lie detector tests so it is not admissible in most courts so what what the fuck's the point is my question i think this one makes more sense to me than everything else because even it's like lie detectors they're not admissible because of the same reason because the reason those don't work is because we have so many different inflections we could use we have to say the word the same way for the machine to recognize that it's me saying it but i think it was more to rule out than to rule in in this point because i'm like this guy's been dead 10 years 11 years whatever it's been if we do this we can at least rule it out a little bit of a spoiler warning it comes back that it is john kramer and it would make sense for it to be a uh, like a definitive match because they would have been matching recordings that they already have mm-hmm. based on what, how we find out this tape was made or the recording quote unquote was made mm-hmm. it was made uh he probably had all the jigsaw clips or whatever and just edited it out edited together to make it make him say what he wants him to say yeah except like it's to an insane degree because there's never other an- another victim named edgar so how does he get him to say edgar without it sounding like edgar <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, but if you remember in the Saw 3D movie, they had the support group. And so obviously there were other people from other traps that were just never given importance enough to be as important of one of the movies. So there was an Edgar somewhere out there. There might have been an Edgar. Seems like a stretch, Jeff. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying it's possible. Okay. okay. Either or, it's probably more a rule out than a ruling kind of thing. It's, that's the way I took it anyway. Fair enough. This this is Silence's jigsaw, which they doubled down on later when they exhumed the, the jigsaw body. We'll get to that. Right now, we're cutting back to the barn. And we so got questions about that that um, exhumation. Yes, I have I have questions about it too. We're gonna have to get there and have our our questioning period. But right now we're in the barn and we get a Billy the Puppet visit. But this Billy the Puppet is unlike any Billy the Puppet we've seen before. It is so high tech, so like his face is smoother than it's ever been because it's always been this like paper mache put together face. No, 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 like it's made of fiberglass and it has these glowing eyes and it's it really pissed me off because i'm like this doesn't look like billy the puppet <laughs> it looks so much better made it's the, the eye oh, it's great like it's a great puppet it just doesn't fit with the other seven puppets or the other puppets from the seven movies yeah and at all do we start spoiling now do we just jump to the end so that i can have my full comment here <laughs> we kind of have to with this movie um they do a crazy twist the end that does not get set up at all during this movie they just try to aha you at the end and it kind of yeah. irks me but i like it at the same time so it's weird but anyway so yeah. it turns out that this game being played right now with anna mitch carly and ryan is the first game john ever put together 10 years ago and so this Billy the Puppet is his first Billy the Puppet. Bull fucking shit. Like this this one's so high tech and then he just goes low tech for all the other ones and nothing happens to this Billy the Puppet. It wasn't broken or anything. So why wouldn't he reuse it in other traps until someone smashed it? Being Adam, most likely he was the first one to smash the Billy the Puppet, right? So yeah, yeah it doesn't make any sense to me. It's too high tech. It's not a proper jigsaw Billy the Puppet, in my opinion. No, it's too high tech for it to be the first. And also, if they didn't already show him making the puppet mm-hmm. in one of the earlier movies, 
Yeah. Was it five? I keep on coming back to five. I think they might have watched five a bunch with this movie. Um, it was five when he's making the, the creepy marionette, right? Yeah, when he gives it to Jill, that's five. So you see him making it, and then you see it's, and then in six, when Jill comes to see him at the warehouse, you see it like in the corners propped up, mm-hmm. and it's nothing like this. It looks like you know something a guy made in his in his murder basement, you know, whatever. But um, this one he like got a contractor in China to create it for him or something. Like it's just no. Anyways, so Billy the puppet's here. He starts pedaling forward on his little tricycle over to them. He has a note around his neck that says "confess." Everyone's all like, "What the fuck?" Ryan, <laughs> Ryan says nope that's not creepy at all (laughs) (laughs) i like ryan i shouldn't like ryan like the movie doesn't want me to like ryan but i do i like him because he has like the adam sassy funny lines he does yeah he's a jerk and he's not a good person he's like frankie g in this way i know i'm not a good person but and but i am okay with that yeah but not as you know murderous i'm gonna murder everybody else to get out of here like frankie g was you know he at least at he tries to help at the end and he does do the right thing eventually at certain times. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Mitch starts trying to open the door again. And then Billy, the pu- puppet starts with his stupid Halloween laugh. And then the chains start being wound up by the winches and Anna's screaming. They need to confess. She was trying to use uh, this like wooden post in the middle of the room to stop her chain from being pulled, but it's like covered in barbed wire and she gets pulled anyways. And she kind of cuts herself. And then Mitch starts confessing. He says that he sold a kid a bike once and uh, he had an accident 10 minutes after he sold the bike to him. It's not his fault. The kid couldn't handle the bike and then he died. All right. I have a thing. Mm, okay. <laughs> and this seems to be a good enough point to say this as in anything, as any other point. This is with their um, half-assed confessions. Mm-hmm. So far, everybody, except for Ryan, which I think Ryan honestly couldn't confess anything because he's done so much bad shit in his life, he didn't know what to confess to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Everybody else, Mitch just said, all right, I just sold the kid, but I guess he couldn't handle the strength and he died. It wasn't my fault. When it clearly was his fault. Like, it was... And these mm-hmm. people don't know each other from anybody. Why the half-assed confession to the right thing? Because he is confessing for the reason he's there but still leaving out a crucial part to make yourself still sound good. When you're stuck yeah. in a life or death situation, you're going to like be hoisted up to the ceiling and hung pretty much is what's going to happen to him. Because even then, Anna does it later. Mm-hmm. Well, she does it here right now. Like She goes, when we lost our baby, my husband made a mistake, and then I let my marriage fall apart. That's what she says. And that's nowhere near what happened with her situation. Uh-uh. So I, I don't know what these half-assed confessions are. If you're put in this situation and someone's saying that it's because you've been lying so far and that you need to properly confess, yeah, clearly they know that you've been lying. Don't tell the same lie again. They know what you actually did. They just want to hear you confess to what you did. But they say what they did. Mitch at least just leaves out one part where uh, he knew the brakes were busted on this thing. But uh, Anna, boy, what she did was mm-hmm. monstrous. I don't even have a word for what she did. Um, also, I mean, I guess she's in a panic, so she doesn't recognize John's voice. But my question was, how does she not recognize John's voice? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe a panic. Maybe. I did like how, well, besides Ryan, we don't know why he's there. Or why Jigs- why he made it to Jigsaw's radar, I should say. Mm-hmm. But the other ones, or Carly, you don't see why Jigsaw's noticed her at all. Oh, like, yeah, how she intersects with his life. Yeah, because the other ones were personal. You know, mm-hmm. personal. All right, personally, because, uh, Jigsaw's ne- never before seen nephew uh, yeah. was the one that died in the. <laughs> I was the, like, uh, really? 
What? <laughs> That's what we're going with? Okay. Okay, sure. Well, it turns out that, you know, that lady that had the asthma attack, she was Jigsaw's maid. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, whatever. Okay, so back to what's happening right now. Personally, I would think it was Jigsaw's sister, the one that had the heart attack, and it was her kid that bought the motorcycle, which is bad luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one's her neighbor, so whatever. And Ryan just, I don't know where I, what Ryan had to confess to at any point in this movie, because it just sounded like he was a terrible human being. His entire life. His, his entire life, so... He would have been confessing all day. Because I think at this point he confessed, well, I've had good drugs. No, he does that later. But still, like, he has a whole, like, speech. It's like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Like, what else do you want from me? I don't know what to confess to. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what Carly's saying right now. Because Mitch tells Carly to confess. And she's just like, I don't have anything to confess to. He's like, think fast. And then he sees that there's a tape recorder on Billy the Puppet that says, play me. So he pulls it off of uh, Billy the Puppet, and that stops the winches. The winches fall apart. But now... Don't know how they work. No, it's magic. There's so much magic in this movie, it pisses me off. Anyway. No, I completely agree. Like, at least we we were talking about, like, the first trap uh, earlier before we recorded, and I was saying, okay, that one, like, because I don't think that it measured actual blood. I think it was more of a pressure sensor. Yeah, but a lot but of the still, things- how did the saw how did the saw talk to the helmet? Yeah, it's remote activated. I'm assuming so. Like it's just that John's super watching everything this time, and he has remotes and Wi-Fi attached to everything because this is the most high tech game he's ever done. And this is one of the only games. Well, besides the very, very, very first one in the first movie, it's one of the and the third one in part three, where he is like an active participant, not participant. He's actively watching at the time mm-hmm. the game go go high, go down. So it could be that he could be I, when I see them cut themselves all. Open, I'll open up the door or or stop the... Yeah, but it's just, again, with the high-techness of this one being his first, other than the Cecil Trap, like, this is his first game that he's playing, and it's so fucking high-tech, and then after that, he's like, yeah, I know. The high-tech stuff, it was just too easy for me. I'm gonna make <laughs> it harder. Like... I'm going to use these gears and levels and pulleys and things to do everything now. You know, yeah. it's just real That are real all rustic. like corroded and gross. Uh, I know I have access to all this clean stuff, but nah, not using any of it. Yeah. But anyways, uh, the winches fall apart, but now we see that the chains are now hooked to the ceiling. Anna realizes that they will be hanged, and Ryan says that they should play the tape, and then syringes jump scare fall from the ceiling in this like very clean metal contraption. And each syringe is very neatly engraved with various night numbers so the first one is six four five eight three point four then we have two zero three four point two three and then three point five three mitch plays the tape tape time tape time and this is a tape so i'm liking it tape time <laughs> well i am certain that there is a desire to point fingers at me for the blood that has been shed Unless you turn that finger inward, I assure you, more blood will be lost, and all will be judged. We will begin with one. One who is not only a liar, but a thief. We cut to a scene of someone stealing a woman's purse. A purse snatcher. And when you had a chance to fix the harm that you'd done, you chose to do nothing. We see that the woman whose purse it was chased after the assailant, and then she collapses... We should, it shows the thief dumping the bag and they find a puffer. Then now it is you who could die without the right medication. Well unconscious, this deceiver among you, this criminal, 
was injected with a poison. One of the syringes in front of you holds the antidote. One is a saline solution, the other an acid that will cause an excruciating death. Inject the correct one and your chains will be released. Failure to make the right choice could result in death for you all. I ask you what is a life worth to you? They all start looking at each other. Ryan says that someone better confess. Anna says that they should all look for injection marks on themselves as if the person that actually is the thief doesn't know. Like, they're all like, hmm, did I steal a purse in my life? I can't remember. I better check myself for an injection. Like, that makes sense for Ryan, maybe, but the rest of them, like... Yeah, because he might have he might have injection marks anyway. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, man. I've done so much shit when I was on coke. I don't know. <laughs> I, man, I, I might have done this the other week. No idea. But the injection mark makes sense in a way because you could be like, all right, maybe it's bullshit, and I don't have I haven't been injected or anything, even though I did steal a purse. Yeah, but I don't know why everybody's checking themselves. It's just stupid. But then oh, they yeah. notice that the only one that's not looking at themselves because yeah, she's aware that she stole a purse is Carly, and. A little while ago, we were saying, all right, Carly doesn't doesn't confess anything because she doesn't know what to confess to. And that would make sense for everybody at this point. She gets told what she did mm-hmm. personally. All right, I know I did this. So I know I have to confess to something having to do with that, with that moment in my life. All right. And then when she sees the numbers on the thing, one of them has stars and lights pointing at it in her mind. Yeah, exactly. Because Ryan grabs all three surrenders and he like holds them in his hand like Wolverine and tells her that she has to pick one or they're all going to die. And she says no, because she's afraid that whatever one she picks will be acid. And she confesses that she used to steal purses, but she didn't kill anyone. And Ryan says, uh, that's not the repentant attitude that he wants. Not wrong. Nope. And then she admits that someone died, but it wasn't my fault. And Ryan says that she needs to choose her heel sticker with all of them. Mitch is asking if any of the numbers mean something to her. And then she looks and she sees 353. And that's what a life is worth to me. We see that that's how much was in the purse when she stole it, which is like very specific. Like, how does Jigsaw know the amount that was in this woman's purse? Um, Because that was his sister, right? And they were eating lunch together. Oh, that would have been perfect. Jigsaw was the person she was having lunch with. And she's like, oh, I can't get the tab, man. I only have three hundred dollars and fifty-three. Yeah, I only have three fifty in my in my purse. I don't have enough. Can you can you float me till next week? You know that would have been. You know, we got to figure out how how Jigsaw knew about Carly. But then when she sees it, instead of her doing something, because remember, she's already injected with something that's going to kill her. Mm -hmm. So all she's either going to do is cure herself or still die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the chains start winding up into the ceiling. So it's like you're going to die either way. Or maybe you live if you stick yourself with the needle that you know is the one he wants you to use. But she does literally nothing. And Ryan, as much as... He might have not, maybe shouldn't have done what he did. I can totally understand why he did it. Mm-hmm. He tells him, listen, pick one or you're getting all of these. I don't know. Like, I don't know which one to stick you with. I don't know which one's right, which one's wrong. But hey, you're getting all of them. Mm-hmm. If you don't pick, if you don't do something, because I'm not dying for you. Mm-hmm. I think he even says that. Yeah. But she's doing nothing. They're all being hanged and struggling or whatever. So then he takes his Wolverine claw and stabs it into her neck and injects all of the needles at once. She starts bleeding from, like, her eyes and her mouth and, like, from the injection site, and then she dies. And we have the callback to hydrofluoric acid from, from part six. Yes, we do. We, we'll find that out in a moment. And also, a callback to Saw 2, where, they're, where they have to get uh, an injection to cure themselves from a virus they have. So we have... Yeah. So, you know, these are also um, being injected with something that's going to kill you is like a saw trope that's been done like in two other movies. Because Zep had was injected with something that's going to kill him. He needed an antidote. 
Um, everybody in Saw 2, pretty much. Mark, you know, he had to get an antidote out of the safe, but he was... I, I want to say that, that safe was probably empty mm-hmm. and because Mark wasn't going to survive. And now here, so... Yeah. Anyways, uh, Anna attacks Ryan, says that... And Ryan's like, I saved our lives. And she's like, but you killed her. <laughs> Mitch is like, y'all need to chill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he could only be born before but for so long. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so they go, they check the syringes and find that there are more numbers on the inside of the syringes and realize that this could be the combination for the locked door in the room. We then cut back to the coroner's office. The dental ID says that Buckethead's name is Malcolm Neal. We find out through Logan that he was a criminal. His wife was murdered five years ago uh, in a home invasion. The perp slit her throat. Detective Douche says that Malcolm was a degenerate gambler and his wife was murdered as collateral. Logan says, did you ever get around to convicting those bad guys with a pointed look at Detective Douche, who does not answer? He doesn't hit make Hoffman levels of looks, but still, or even Perez levels of looks, but still, it was there. (laughs) It was there. Then the female coroner who will eventually find out her name is Eleanor. She says that there are scratch marks from fingernails. So there was a struggle presumably with the killer. And Logan says that the partial decapitation made made by a circular saw. There are traces of blah which turns out it's rust from a blade. Detective Zeus says that the voice on the drive matched to John Kramer and that it was identical. And then Keith says that Edgar said the game was starting. The drive said that there's four more potential victims. Do you think that, like, that's what he was referring to? We cut back to the barn. Mitch is entering the combo in the door. The door unlocks. The room's dark at first, but then the lights turn on when they walk in. And the door slams and locks behind them. There's a window with bars, and they can see outside that they are in the countryside. There are no visible landmarks. They're all asking who is doing this to us. They have no idea. And I noticed here that no one mentioned Jigsaw, and this is where I started to like question the timeline because I'm used to these movies at this point, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, and this is a trick that was pulled before. Yeah. Way better in part two, but still. Exactly. So Anna asked for Ryan's sin, and he says, I sold bad mortgages and good coke. I cheated on my taxes and my wife. Both of them. <laughs> How about you, Lollipop? And Anna says it was her husband's fault. Why am I being punished for something he did? If he hadn't fallen asleep, he wouldn't have rolled over and suffocated our baby. It's not my fault. Ryan picks up a shovel and goes towards the door that says no exit. And Mitch tries to stop him, says that there are two perfectly good doors and he shouldn't go after that one. Ryan's saying that he shouldn't go where this crazy man wants them to go. Anna agrees with Mitch, but Ryan, being the ass that he is, he just goes on charging at the door that says no exit. He then breaks through the floor and hits some sort of like pressure plate underneath, and his leg is caught in a set of wires in this trap. Uh, just as a quick thing, he didn't break the floor. So the, fl- the floor was set up to break if somebody stepped on it, trying to go for the door that they were told not to go to, to because they have to follow the rules. Yeah, exactly. Anna looks like into the floorboards and she sees that there's like a lever there. Mitch breaks more of the floor and he finds that there's a tape there. The wires are tightening, cutting into Ryan. And Mitch tries to get the tape with a rake, but then trips the wires more. And then he eventually reaches in with his hand to go get the tape. Pretty tense moment um, in this one because there's a tape. The wires that are like the cables, really. They're just these, these steel these steel cables are wrapped around his leg. 
tightening up. So Mitch is obviously afraid that if he sticks his hand in there, now he's going to get his hand in the same situation as the guy's leg. But luckily, he's able to get the tape out. Mm-hmm. And then they got tape time. Tape time. They're all back. Love the tapes. No MP3s for me. There are no shortcuts in life. Please forgive the rather crude example. I will make of your decision not to follow the rule. Pull the handle and you will be set free. That's it. And Anna turns to Ryan and says, good luck, lollipop. I don't think Ryan appreciated that, but it was all right. (laughs) We cut back to the morgue and Eleanor says that they found particles of animal feces on Buckethead. Cows, chickens, pigs. And they had, and I don't know that I can pronounce this, Ojewski's disease? Yeah, that one I yeah, that one I can't pronounce. Yeah, um, it's a virus, uh, and when swine get it, the farmers are forced to kill all of the pigs because it will just like, take over the whole farm. I did just catch something a little while ago before we go too far. Mm-hmm. The, another hint that this was an old game that we're watching is if you, as we've been saying, everything's really clean, and the guy that got cut up, that they bucket head, there's rust. And the wound and the blades that were cutting them earlier had no rust on them. Mm, that's a good one. I didn't I didn't catch that. Ellen are saying that maybe they can track the location based on this virus. Police a police officer comes to tell Logan that there's another victim, a possible jumper. <laughs> For some reason, third eye blinds jumper just immediately popped into my head. my friend. Anyways. We cut to the scene of the crime. It's a blonde victim with a note that says, and then there were three attached. And this is where I'm fully like, there is no way. This is the same timeline. Jigsaw's not running back and forth between this fucking farm and like <laughs> throwing these victims in various places. Like, okay, so this, this trap clearly happened beforehand. I didn't realize it was 10 years beforehand, but I realized it was beforehand. There's no link to any of the suspects between this new victim. But she's right outside of the hospital where Edgar is. And so he's Logan's asking Detective Douchebag if he thinks that that's suspicious or whatever. And he's chewing his... Ugh. Detective Douche is just chewing his gum with like an open mouth with this like stupid smirk. And he's like, don't worry, I checked. Like, he's still there in a coma. I'm like... I- just capital letters like so strongly written in my notes i fucking hate him (laughs) (laughs) he is a jerk and actively like grimy and dirty the whole movie he just he makes my skin crawl i hate him so much so he's doing a great job clearly this actor hands off to you hands off to you hats off to you no i mean it's it's saw so hands off to you (laughs) hands off it's a foot off to you actually Feed off to you. Okay. We're back at the morgue. Logan says that the victim was injected with acid. It's the same kind of acid that was used on Will in Saw 6. He says that he recognizes the acid because it was used often in Iraq. Then we see that there's a puzzle piece missing from her tongue, which is like the coolest puzzle piece removal that I've seen thus far. Detective Douche wants to know what Logan's deal is, what happened in Iraq. Turns out that he was captured after taking out three Taliban and was tortured very aggressively. He spent months in the hospital when he got back. Detective Douche is asking, do you think he snapped? And Keith says, come on, man, you're talking about my brother here. And Detective Douche goes, I got a brother. He's a fucking asshole. And I go, no doubt if he's anything like you. Maybe he's not the asshole. Maybe he's actually a decent human being and you're just the asshole, but... Whatever. Exactly. Keith is saying, what do you think of Eleanor? And Detective Douche says, she's got a great ass, but a big mouth. And I just wanted to puke everywhere. Then, oh, I haven't breakfast. I could honestly not hate this man more. He He's absolutely disgusting. And he needs to be murdered ASAP or get the fuck off my screen. 
And now my question is probably irrelevant because of the the character that said it. When did Eleanor have a big mouth so far? Yeah, exactly. She hasn't had a big mouth. And also I'm questioning like there, like Keith says to that comment that she seems to get off on this sick shit. And like, when does she seem to get off on it? It happens to be true, but she doesn't have any inklings towards it. She does get a little bit excited. Like uh, she's just like, it's jigsaw. Like she's like jig fucking saw when like she sees like the tongue thing and it's like, okay. But she's not like getting off on it. Like that's a yeah, jump. Totally different. If she gets excited and everyone's like, it can't be, he's been dead 11 years or whatever it is. And she's like, oh man, but this feeling is fitting in with Jigsaw did. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not, it's not getting off. No, it's Keith that says that. It's Keith that says that? Oh, yeah. Then Keith no, says then she sure. seems to get off on this sick shit. And anyway. then, then I'm lost. Yeah, yeah right? I, I was just like, that doesn't fit, but okay, cool. We cut back to Ryan's ensnared leg. Anna and Mitch are looking for another way out. Uh, again, I wrote, again with the kicking. Mitch just keeps on like trying to kick doors and failing miserably. Oh. Maybe he has weak legs. He has weak, weak legs. He just, he never does leg day. It's all about the upper body. <sighs> It's, you know, he always he has like his little pigeon legs. You know, he just can't help it. And so when he's kicking, it's not really doing much. But there's like stuff. There's like a tractor in this room, isn't there? Is it? Yeah, I guess later we find out that in this was it in this room? Yeah, I guess in this room there's a tractor. Yeah, because they don't leave this room because no. they they go in the silo, then they come out to the silo. It's back to this room. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. And there's a tractor there. There's like stuff. Like this room has stuff, like things in it where you could do something besides kick a wall. And we see Anna use something later. Yeah, but anyways, the lights turn out, and then the lights inside like this tiny door turns on. They enter. It's an empty silo. There's a chain hanging from the ceiling. There's a screen inside, like a flat screen inside of the silo and a flat screen now we figure out is inside of the floor right beside ryan as well and they both turn on mitch starts jumping trying to reach the chain there's a remote attached to it then he has to lift anna to reach the remote and when they pull the remote the door is triggered to shut and then it's tape time before we get to the tape i found this hilarious brand new flat screen tv mm-hmm. the one in this on the silo wall the one under the floorboards mm-hmm. you can't tell if it's a flat screen or not because i was trying to mm-hmm. no because i knew that the game was in 20 2003 so flat screens were a thing i had researched after they were a thing they had plasmas back then they were prohibitively expensive mm-hmm. at the time they existed but they were expensive remote ancient zenith remote the remote is an old 1990s whatever remote brand new tvs everywhere else all right just yeah so many problems with the technology aspect of this just why from then on does jigsaw only use like tv sets from like the 90s slash no they're more like 80s tvs like they're like full huge big huge crts is what he's using doesn't make sense now, here's these br- nice new plasma screens, what they would have had to been if it was 2003, mm-hmm. that they weigh a ton. They produce a crazy amount of heat. And then you hung it up on a wall inside a silo. Yeah. Zero sense. With no wires anywhere to be found. Absolutely zero sense. But anyways, we have Billy the Puppet with his makeover and how fancy he looks. And he's talking on the tape. In the past, you have all put your own interests above others and then lied to yourselves and deceived the world about your callousness, your larceny, your criminality. Now you will look in the mirror and you will face who you really are. The choices you have made may cost you your life. You cannot escape the truth. 
There is, however, one person who can help you, Ryan. If he pulls the lever before you are buried alive, Ryan... Oh, if he pulls the lever before you are buried alive. Ryan, free yourself to free them. Question. Is this trap only a trip because of Ryan getting through the floor? And like, otherwise they would have just found the tractor and started that whole thing? I'm thinking this one is not a tape. This is remember they, they, it was no tape. They said play music remote. They turned the remote on and might have just mm-hmm. live feed, live feed from somewhere in the warehouse or somewhere in the farmhouse, I should say, where Jigsaw saying this live because it's too on point with what's going on around them at the moment. You know, Ryan stuck a trap. Ryan needs to do X, Y, and Z to save them. So then, even more fucking high tech, like live feeds and like whatever. Ugh. I don't know. I don't like this. It's just stupid. And it really, like, this annoyed me, like, him knowing that it would have been Ryan that did this and that, you know, also that this trap is only solved by Ryan going through his trap. Like, it's just counting on too many things. Yeah, because I'm thinking, I don't think this one so much is, like, the dominoes falling, like, the traps end up being later on. Mm-hmm. I think it's more, which makes sense for a first trap. The only thing that makes sense about this being a first trap is this. It's Jigsaw not automating anything and just being there to control every aspect of it. You know, all right. Oh, uh, they did this, so I'm gonna press the button to release this. They did this, so I'm gonna press the button to release that. All right. Um, Ryan's in there, so I know Ryan's in there. So now I'm gonna press the button to open that door because the door opens up to the silo automatically, mm-hmm. and set this up with this um with this live feed thing. If that if they don't do this, I press the other button to have the tractor turn on. They could get the Mitch tape because that was a Mitch tape, mm-hmm. and that was there. So this is the the only thing that makes sense is that you know um he's sitting there really flipping switches and hitting buttons to control what's happening because he's actually watching them go through every little step. I guess. And which you would do just... which you would do the first time. Like the first time run through like I don't trust and then he goes auto- the automator later on, but this is him being screw it. He's doing it in his house this time. I mean it's not his house. It's a farm that was owned by Jill's family and based on like my research with like fun facts and whatever, uh, apparently it was mm-hmm. owned by like her uncle who's named Dale Tuck. Which like immediately I was like, Dale and Tucker? <laughs> what? <laughs> I never seen Dale and Tucker. Uh, Why is it not a series? Because it is so good. <laughs> we need to watch it. It's so funny. All right, I'm gonna let you on a secret. Me and horror comedies don't get along that well. Like, I, I can't think of any that I like. That one is so funny, though. <laughs> can't think of any I like. Like, uh, I'm one. Oh, I like Zombieland. I guess there's one I like. I don't, but I don't love it. I just like it. Uh, but it's not bad. It's it's just so good because it's like every trope of like the usual like back neck hillbillies attacking whatever but then it turns out that it's just these two really innocent guys and they're just trying to have a nice time and the kids are just like killing themselves <laughs> and then, like they're like oh my god they put him into a wood chipper and they're like no we didn't <laughs> like, he jumped head first into it why are they killing themselves <laughs> the only reason i kind of want to watch it because i think one of them is alan tiddick and i like him and stuff so maybe a knight's tale guy it was in a knight's tale the ginger from a knight's tale i don't know i've never seen a knight's tale he's also in dodgeball yes the pirate from dodgeball, yeah, yeah yeah steve the pirate yeah that's the only thing that's kind of got me to watch it but like i don't like Shaun of the dead the whole coronado trilogy don't like them that's fair and i i'm hit no. or miss with those ones too this one i really like it's just it's just so it's so good but anyways the feed cuts in the silo, uh, and it shows Ryan, his feed cuts to them in the silo. And then grain begins pouring into the silo very quickly from above. We then cut back to the morgue, and Eleanor, then Detective Douche, approaches her, and he's like, what's your story, sweetheart? And this is where I drew my vomit emoji. 
in my notes. I, I drew like an actual vomiting emoji in my notes because it was just, I hate him. I hate him. Because he also. Oh, that was when you text me too. Because you text me, though, I can't stand this dude. Oh, vomit emoji. I was like, I don't know what I know what he's doing now, but all right. He also says, "Are you one of those kinky types?" And I just you like a little pain, and then I just have capital letters. Why? Why is this happening? <sighs> she has done nothing, nothing this whole movie, and she does nothing later on in the movie. No. Even with what she has done, you know, uh, her predilections, it doesn't. It just seems like it's a, a hobby more than anything else. Yeah. To allude to the fact she's getting off sexually to this kind of yeah. stuff. Again, with like the gross misogyny bullshit of the Saw franchise. Gross. Anyways, asking where she, uh, he's asking her where she was the night of Buckethead's murder. She says home alone, like Macaulay Culkin, you know. Then uh, he asks her if she has proof for that, and she's asking if she needs it. We cut to Logan. He's video chatting with his daughter and the babysitter, apologizing that he's out so late. Detective Douche asks Logan uh, how he found Eleanor, implying that he has a sexual relationship with her since his wife's been dead for two years. Logan says that he's a professional, unlike Detective Douchebag, who is sexually assaulted, sorry, sexually harassing co-workers. Keith asks Logan if he's heard of the website Jigsaw's Rules. That's a site devoted to Jigsaw, a lot of sick fucks. Eleanor is a regular on the site. She downloaded some shit you can't imagine, apparently. They do say that the, uh, that they trace the IP that, to the computer that's in the morgue mm-hmm. to that site. So they know if he hasn't been going to it, the only other person there is Eleanor. Which, if she had been doing it and others Jigsaw murders coming, you know, Jigsaw copycats showing up, it makes sense for you to question her about that. Mm-hmm. Not about whether or not she gets she's getting off on this kind of thing. Yep. So you could have still kind of made her a suspect and you wrote a way to make her a suspect, but you didn't use it. He says that Eleanor, sorry, Logan's saying that Eleanor sought out the department to do her residency. And then one of the detectives tells him, like, after her residency, she was offered a job in Cleveland at the, to be the head of the city morgue. Why didn't she take it? And <laughs> Logan's response is, do you want to move to Cleveland? And I said, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Drew Carey like used to say how much it rocks. <laughs> we have we have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, I'm sure other things. The Drew Carey Show. Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. <laughs> I think that was a song before the Drew Carey Show. It was. It most definitely was. But yeah. I know it from the Drew Carey Show as I used to watch that a lot as a child. Keith gets a call. It's the lab results that are in. It, they say that the DNA of blood scraped from under the nails of Buckethead belongs to John Kramer. We'll get to my problems with this later. But anyway. Oh, good. I think, I think we have the same ones. All right. Okay. Because I was about to get into it now. But all right. We're it comes back again later and I have problems. Okay. So we cut back to the barn. Ryan is reaching for the lever, but then he's like, no, I can't do it. Go to hell. And then sharp implements start to fall from the top of the silo as they're stuck neck deep in grain. Ryan finally pulls the lever. Yeah, the, the, the cables tighten and spin, cutting his leg off in pieces, because it's not like one piece, it's like three little chunks, mm-hmm. uh, which is welcome to reference to Saw 1. I mean, <laughs> for all the echoes to the to the Saw franchise, apparently they threw in this movie, which I didn't notice mm-hmm. watching it, but I'm noticing them all now as we're talking about them. Yeah, they, they did definitely make a point of that. I was reading in like the fun facts on IMDb that they each trap like they wanted it to be a bit of an homage. So 
Except except for the next trap. Yeah. Because I don't know how that doesn't homage to anything. Uh, the homage is actually just like the spiral is supposed to be the spiral on Belly of the Puppet's face. <laughs> that's a little new. All right, that's a stretch, but fine. It's a stretch, but okay, yeah. I'll give it to you. Anyways, the silo door opens as his leg is cut off. We then cut back to the station. Keith is leaving and a cop is giving him the GPS location on Eleanor's cell phone. We then cut to Logan meeting Eleanor at a bar and ask if she's turned off her phone. She has. He tells her that they're looking into them for the murders and Eleanor says that, yeah, she knows they're watching her house. Logan tells her the story of a perp with this clean case of like abusing kids. That detective douchebag uh, ended up beating him up when he was in custody which the lawyer used to get him off and then the guy killed a kid the very next day so he's like detective douche just can't help himself and can't get out of his own way and logan wants to know why eleanor didn't tell him about cleveland she says it's complicated and also she wasn't at home when buckethead was found she was at her studio she says and logan's like what studio what the fuck and she's just like he tells her that they know about her being on the website, and now they think that he's involved. And then she's like, come with me, and cuts them driving up to like this warehouse. They enter, and as the door is slowly closing behind them, we see Keith's hand pop in and keep the door open. She presses the button for an elevator, and like then doors just like open on the same level as them <laughs> to reveal yeah. Eleanor's little shop of horrors. <laughs> She must have purchased one of the jigsaw warehouses. Mm-hmm. And I think she's, and then, all right, her little shop of horrors is pretty cool. It's more like a museum yeah. than a shop of horrors. It's a callback to many of the traps from previous movies. Mm-hmm. She has like the bear trap, she has the rib removal from Desi. Dizzy, not Desi. <laughs> Um, yeah, dizzy. She has uh, like the glass box. Strom was getting drowned in. Mm-hmm. And then she has this other giant trap that we have not seen yet. And she says that uh, John Kramer designed it. He designed this trap for a game that happened before all the others. And I'm like, cool. Now I know the timeline. <laughs> uh, and she says that she found the plans for it, built this one herself. But John made one too. Logan says that no victims were ever killed by it, like the wounds don't match. And Eleanor says maybe the bodies were never found. Keith is watching and he's taking pictures of them in the shop from like the shadows. And Logan says that she needs to get rid of all of this shit right now. We then cut to the hospital. Even if she wanted to, how? Let's say, let's say she did. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I have to get rid of all this stuff. She would have to burn this building and like everything's made of metal. So it would probably survive. Like, <laughs> survive Anyway, it would take weeks yeah. to try to get this stuff, to get rid of this stuff. And she made the big traps. I'm assuming she made the rest herself also. I'm not sure. Maybe. Because I can't think of any other way for her to get this without anybody else knowing that she has it. I guess that's the only thing that makes sense. I was like, sometimes like, you know, because like things come up years afterwards where it's just like, oh, you can buy Lizzie Boyden's axe or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's been so many years that it like is no longer in the evidence locker for some reason, but it's only been 10 years. So it's only been 10. And even if they were selling the actual ones, mm-hmm. let's just say. People would know she would have it. Um, and how much money did she make at the coroner's office to be able to buy this stuff? Yeah. Because if she made it, I guess she could just buy metal. Well, like, I don't know. She's making a whole lot of money because she has a studio warehouse that is her own. And she's got, like, the materials to build all these sh- this shit. <laughs> and the spare time, apparently. I don't know, man. And another thing. 
I love harping on this right now. Eleanor, she has, uh, she likes the jigsaw stuff. Fine, whatever. If you like something, let's say you like, you personally like true crime podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. And you listen to true crime stuff too. So I'm assuming you speak with your coworkers about true crime stuff because you like it. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming innocently in the years that she's worked there, she would have obviously been speaking about jigsaw stuff to Mitch, uh, not Mitch, to Logan. Since it was only, it's only them in the pretty lab with dead bodies all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that only makes sense. But maybe she's very guarded in her obsession with Jigsaw. I don't know. Don't see why. In the 10 years since he, this is something that interests you. Something you would just at least talk about in passing. Oh, I read this thing about John Kramer, blah, blah, blah. Isn't it, you know, just something. I don't know. They don't treat it like it's a taboo subject that much. And by the way, since they show Toronto more in this movie, mm-hmm. any recognizable features? Any landmarks? Anything? I, I did not note anything that I actually re- recognized. We do cut to the hospital right now, and there's someone sneaking into Edgar's room as the security guard is sleeping. He injects something into the IV, and Edgar wakes up, and then we cut away very quickly to the stump leg. And blood is raining fast from his stump leg. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I get the reference. Yes. Now that you've seen the video. <laughs> yes. Now I get it. Anna is helping wrap the wound, and then we cut to Logan waking up from a nightmare. He gets up, he's at his house, he gets up from his bed, takes off his shirt to reveal his very nicely toned back. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't see back there at all. It's Yeah. There are scars along his back that are exactly in the pattern that the saws were in the wall in that first trap. And I go, oh, okay. So he was dude that was unconscious and dragged into the trap. And then he somehow escaped. Like maybe that was the end of his test and he was okay. Interesting. So that means that he's the accomplice. Cool. Those are my notes. That one went totally over my head. I don't know. It was just the pattern was very specific. And I immediately was like, that, that's the saw wall. There's no way that the people in Iraq tortured him in the exact same pattern as the saw wall. <laughs> cool. Anyways, so Keith gives a detective douche pictures of the little shop of horrors and Eleanor and Logan in it. He says that at the same time that the commissioner wants to see Jigsaw's remains. He wants proof that he's really dead and they're going to dig up his body. Detective Douche is looking into Logan, researching him. He finds paperwork about his torture and something about a relapse, but like it's all like cuts very quickly of sentences that are not complete. So I'm not exactly sure what he's found out. But then he gets a call. Edgar has disappeared. We cut back to the barn. Anna is checking Ryan's pulse and that he's breathing. He is... And then the tractor headlights turn on. There is an X on the hood of the tractor. Mitch opens it up and finds a tape recorder with his name on it. And then I go, how did Jigsaw know the order of these people and that they would survive this and they would end up over here? You know, when they get into this room, they set somebody up to go into the the no exit thing. It happens to be uh, Ryan. He gets his leg trapped, then later cut off. The silo thing was a contingency in case that were to happen, I think. And then this was like the Mitch room is my... Yeah, but this it all assumes yeah, that okay. they survived the first trap. What if they were fucking dumbasses and they hadn't survived that trap? So then the other ones walk into the next room and it's like, you must pick this right syringe or whatever. And it's like, um, but this makes sense to none of us because none of us were a person stature and like we don't know anything about these syringes. Or if Mitch hadn't make, made it this far, far, it's like, wait, what? What about bikes? I'm so confused. <laughs> I didn't sell up bikes to anybody. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with this. Yeah. So 
Anyways, I had questions there, but we're going to press right on because Mitch presses play and a rope trap tightens around his foot and strings him up, pulling him up to the ceiling. And then we get tape time. Tape time. Hello, Mitch. You've admitted to selling a boy a motorcycle. And I cut in here again to say, how do you know that he admitted that? <laughs> yeah, he, I, have, I have nothing on this one. Because the other one I could say was a live feed here. Nothing. Because mm-hmm. it was a tape. <laughs> He's yeah. pressing play. And so, yeah. Anyways. But you have not told the entire story, have you? Unless. I did, I, now I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Now I figured it out. But finish it. We'll, do, we'll go back to it. Okay. We cut to the kid on, a, on the bike again. And Jigsaw continues on the tape. $600 for a bike that you listed in excellent condition. And then we see that in the barn, a sheet falls off of a motorcycle. And the trap from the little shop horrors earlier. It's like big, like it looks like a, a turbine. But it has like this spiral in it that's red, kind of. Anyways. Tape continues. Even though you knew the brakes were faulty, you took his 600 bucks. And I'm like, John, you, you would say 600 bucks? Really? That doesn't seem like your language. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and, it doesn't. And in return, you delivered him to his end. They show the kid trying to break, and instead he's run over by a truck. He was my nephew, and he never hurt anyone. The device you see here has a unique power source. It's the same engine that graced the bike you sold my nephew. What? He got all the pieces and put the bike back together. He was an engineer, I guess. I know, so but like he he went and specifically was like, yo, I need the pieces from this bike accident. Please give me each piece. I need them all. I need to put it back together. Thank you. Oh, my word. Anyways. It's the, it's the way I'm going to mourn. I just lost my sister. She, um, she suffocated because somebody stole a purse. <laughs> <laughs> just something. Yeah, I was going to say. Someone stole a purse. And she only three bucks in her wallet anyways. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, she owed me that three bucks because I was treating her to like, what is the shit? Okay, anyways. What's going on? Yeah. However, I assure you the brake lever for this one works perfectly. And we see that like the brake lever is like in the middle of this turbine and the spiral thing. Avoid the dangers around you. Hit the motorcycle brake handle and the motor will stop. Live or die, Mitch. The choice is yours. The bike wheel begins to spin and it is powering like the spiralizer in this thing. Anyways, Anna starts uh, climbing the rafters as Mitch is being lowered into the spiralizer. There was no way Mitch was going to reach for the thing, right? There's no way. Yeah. Well, like, so the thing is, she puts this piece of rebarb in the wheel of the motorcycle and it stops the whole machine. And I, like, why wouldn't you grab the brake at that time just to be sure? He's like, you say it, you say me. It's like, no, bitch, just like pull the brake as well so that you're triple fucking sure that this is not going to kill you. Because you're still hanging upside down over blades. Yeah. A spiral blade. Exactly. So while this has stopped, now reach down, press the brake, and then make sure that you're okay. But no, he doesn't do that. And so the wheel ends up breaking the rebar or like shooting it. I don't really know. Anyways. And it starts it all up again and it spiralizes Mitch. He dies. We then cut to Detective Douchebag. He's yelling at the security guard at the hospital, calling him a fucking idiot, whatever. Keith is calling him. He's at the cemetery, and they're pulling up Jigsaw's, oh, sorry, John's casket. And Edgar's inside. And then I I think we have the same problem here. If the body had been replaced, 
then wouldn't the grave be freshly dug and they would have walked up to this grave that like he had been buried there at least seven years ago if not ten so there it should be like a nice grown over grave like you know the grass is solidly there and if they had just replaced Edgar's body in this grave then it would be fresh like dirt there and it would be like already aware like hmm this is suspicious so this is where I write so many fucking plot holes and alright fine because Edgar's been missing, what, six hours, if that? Mm-hmm. Maybe a day at the most, which I don't even think it's been that long. And then they replace Jigsaw's body. Nobody notices. I'll just go with you on this. Because um, it didn't look like it. Also, a cemetery doesn't look like it's a secluded Friday the 13th Part 6 cemetery where Jason's buried. Yeah. Where's Jigsaw's body is my next question. I don't know, man. You replaced it with Edgar. Whatever. What'd you do with Jigsaw? <laughs> he's just like, maybe uh, he spiralized him. <laughs> And that's where he is. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't come up it doesn't, they don't turn up the body in the movie anywhere oh, just where he just, they go over to logan's house and it's like a psycho moment where like jigsaw's all like dressed up and sitting in a rocking chair in the window <laughs> just, yeah. yeah they do the psycho with it or black yeah black christmas or psycho yeah you know yeah. but it'd be oh i got it he's in the control room with a nice fancy silk robe we cut to a tactical team charging into eleanor's uh, little shop of horrors and detective douchebag discovers that there's a false wall he opens it up in the door there's a charlie day board inside with like this shrine to jigsaw it's all these articles about jigsaw there's a hacksaw and like candles that part was a little bit over the side. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. And then the spiralized body like falls from the ceiling in front of them and there's a note attached to it. And then there were two. Detective Douchebag and Keith are leaving the little shop and Keith, he's super suspicious. And he's like, why would Eleanor just like leave a body hanging in her studio? That doesn't make sense. Detective Douche is like, I don't know, but we need to go pick them up. So Keith's like, yeah, okay, I'll go pick up Logan. And Detective Douche is like, I'll go get the girl. I'm like, please, please, no, don't, don't do that. You're going to sexually harass her more. I don't want that. <laughs> so Keith goes and knocks on uh, Logan's door and then arrests him in the weirdest way ever. He's like, you're going to have to show me those wrists, brother. <laughs> hey, show me those wrists. Come on. You know, it's, it's Friday night. You know what we do. Yeah. It was so ridiculous. Logan says that he didn't do it. Keith's like, I got, I have pictures. And he's like, I'm being framed. I'm like, yeah, sure you are, buddy. Whatever. And he's like, I'll tell you everything I know. And... <laughs> Then we cut to inside Logan's house and he says that they both know who did this. It's Detective Douche. The motive is that he wanted Edgar dead. It was Detective Douche that ordered the others to shoot at the remote. But does anyone know where he was aiming for? It was clearly him shooting him in the chest. And it's just like, because this guy's like putting this all together and like it's so far-fetched and it's just so fucking obvious. It's really him and he's trying to frame something. Like it feels like Hoffman trying to frame Strom all over again. Except Hoffman, I don't want to say did a better job at it, but kind of. It's so heavy-handed and stupid. Then he also reveals at this point that Keith is with internal affairs, just like Gibbs was. Keith admits that he's been on to Detective Douche for, since before all of this stuff started, and that they have connected him to multiple homicides going back for years. Logan mentions, well, look, all the victims are mixed up with Detective Douchebag's cases. Clearly, he's trying to frame me. I don't know why. Keith is like, really? You called him out for screwing up Liam Dunn cases and said he was a moron in the press twice. And Logan's like, no, I said he was an impulsive asshole twice. You know, don't misquote me. I hate being misquoted. Yeah. And Keith's like, do you blame him for what happened to Christine? Don't you? 
And I'm like, oh, there it is. That makes sense. That That's why he's after Detective Douche. Okay, cool. Maybe I missed it or the movies could be poorly written. Mm-hmm. Did they go into what happened to Christine? No, I don't think so. They Like later he says that Detective Douche was responsible. Oh, wait, they do. Edgar killed her, but I don't know how. Oh, uh, okay. All right. But anyways, Logan says that he can help Keith get proof that it's Detective Douchebag. He can do an autopsy on Edgar and match the bullet to Detective Douche's gun. And I'm like, oh, yay, more junk science. (laughs) But then we find out, like, while he's doing the autopsy, that Detective Douchebag used a different type of gun. So it would be a different type of bullet. So it's not just ballistics that they're trying to do. And I'm like, okay, less junk science, but still... Why does the coroner, like, know automatically, like, oh, this is this type of bullet? And, like, I I know that. No, you would have to send it to an expert who would test. Anyways. It's convenient science. The gun you're using, the ammo is so much different from the gun everybody else apparently in the police department uses. But you have to be the one guy who uses this kind of gun that uses this kind of ammo. Yep. It's so bullshit. And I really hated it. But anyways... He pulls the bullet and look, it's the one that would be from his gun. I love this part for one reason. Even when they're doing it the first time, before they show the opposite angle where it's obviously a planted bullet, it still looks like he planted the bullet in this scene. It's not like they're trying to, it doesn't fool me at all. Or it doesn't look like it should fool the audience because he pulls the bullet out, turns around back to Keith. Mm -hmm. What kind of bullet is it? Yep. This one that that I'm showing you now? He like pulls out an array of bullets from his pocket and he's like, okay, which one, which one? <laughs> which one? It's, it's, uh, here we go. This one. All right. Yeah. Uh, ta-da. Need to work on your sleight of hand there, pen and teller. It was pretty ridiculous. But anyways, Logan goes back to his house and he's calling Eleanor, but she's in his house. Uh, she says that she found where the game is being played. It's a farm. We can't trust the cops. You can't call them. And Logan's like, you want to see the game for yourself? you get off on this shit again with the like let's sexualize the one woman in this movie with you guys <sighs> which at no time has shown any evidence of being sexually aroused in anything going on uh-huh. ever any point in this movie but every guy's like oh you getting off on this huh are you so fucking gross it makes me sorry and i'm gonna beat the drum i've been beating since i think saw six if you want it to be that you could have written it that way it's so unnecessary and it's really frustrating as a woman to watch this franchise and all the sexism and misogyny that just like is like oh yeah these are throwaway lines and we don't really care we're just gonna do these like treat women like absolute garbage in these movies it's really tiring and annoying it's just very frustrating but anyways eleanor says no it's our chance to save lives and i'm like no it's not you don't know who you're talking to but anyways he's like what we're just gonna go in there like with nothing and she like pulls out like one revolver and she's like yeah we're gonna go in with this and i'm like cool you have six bullets good luck it's like the dirty hair revolver the thing is huge it's like yeah. three times bigger than her yeah but anyways they they uh pull out of the driveway they start driving off and we see that detective douche is following them we cut back to the barn anna is trying to break through the no exit door to the outside and she succeeds but she's trying to squeeze her way out and then pig face shows up and gives her the nice syringe of happy juice callbacks love it yeah. but now they're in a pig farm so maybe when I we, we went earlier, when like three movies ago, I was like, are these actual pigs? Now I know where Jigsaw got all the pigs. See, all the rotting pigs were from this pig farm that they drowned the judge in because they were all sick with celiac disease or whatever it is. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they were all allergic to grain. <laughs> all of them. All of them allergic to grain. Uh, all of them. 
No, but like then it's like the judge would have died anyways because now he has this virus. Like he has mad pig disease. Like it all makes sense. I love it because I literally just made the connection now. He's <laughs> rotting pigs from they and they couldn't use the pigs for anything yeah. else because they all have celiac disease. It all comes back together to the same place. I love that. Like the disease is nothing. Like it starts with an A, but now it's just celiac disease because we can't pronounce it. I have no idea exactly. I, don't, I can't pronounce it, but you know what? I can't pronounce celiac disease. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Oh no. So, anyways, we cut to uh, Anna and Ryan, and now they're chained up. Alice saw one. They're on opposite sides of the room. John, it reveals, sorry, I knew it was John right away, but like it's like a robed figure. And then it reveals that it's John. He's playing with like some other weird trap thing. And then Anna. It looked hmm? like the gear. It looked like the gears from the, um, from, oh, which trap was it? It was from another trap, right? I, I thought of it at the time, but now I can't think of it. It's like a box with gears in it. Yeah. Ugh. I didn't recognize it from anything, but anyways, uh, Anna yeah. is, is revealed that she knows him. And Ryan's like, what the fuck is going on? Because yeah, he still no, he still has no idea why he's there. Yeah. And John says that there's one final game. Ryan says that he already won his game. Look at his fucking leg. Just like Simone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, he gets good parking now and he's mad about yeah. it. And John says, that wasn't your test. Like, that was because you didn't follow the rules. I, I love the aw shucks look he got. Like, yeah, I guess you're yeah. right. Yeah, fine. Oh, wow. Womp, womp. <laughs> John's asking, uh, you want me to show mercy? Uh, you who hasn't even taken a single step toward confessing? You who is responsible True. not for one death, but for three? And your life of reckless uh, deceit started in high school. So this is like live tape time. <laughs> There's no tape. Just John waxing poetic on his own. Yeah, so your life of reckless deceit started in high school and only grew worse. And we cut to teenage Ryan acting like Ryan Phillippe and I know what you did last summer. There are so many I know what you did last summer throwbacks in this franchise. I don't know why, but there are. He's uh, standing up in the backseat of a moving car, sticking his head out of the sunroof with a bottle of alcohol in his hand and like screaming and being obnoxious. That is what causes the I know what you did last summer to kick off is Ryan Phillippe in the backseat of a, of a convertible. Yeah. Not a convertible. He's like sticking his head out of the sunroof, just like this, with his bottle of alcohol. And then he drops the bottle of alcohol into Freddie Prince Jr.'s lap. And then like that makes him look down and then he hits the guy. But in this one, Ryan falls out of the sunroof somehow. And and his name is Ryan. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I'm like, Ryan, looking like Ryan Philippi. Anyways. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. So he falls out of the car, and then his friends, I guess, are like, oh, my God, and look back at him, and they end up crashing their car, and it explodes. Yeah, because they're trying to get him to act like a normal person and sit down in the backseat of their convertible. Mm -hmm. But, of course, Ryan won't. He's drunk and high on coke, mm -hmm. so he just won't. And when they're trying to sit him down, he falls, gets thrown from the vehicle. To which they hit some weird Final Destination trap where they roll into a truck and all it all gets blowed up. It reminded me more like 21 Jump Street when they're having like the high speed chase and they're like, oh my god, it's going to blow, it's going to blow. And like it doesn't blow and they're like, okay, okay. And then the next thing they're like, oh my god, it's going to blow, it's going to blow. And it doesn't blow. And then it's like a chicken truck that finally blows up. They're like, really? That's what blew up? And Ryan, he like gets thrown from a vehicle going maybe 50, 60 miles an hour. I can't translate into kilometers. I'm sorry. So, um... Thrown from the vehicle and lands on like a basket of pillows because he's fine. Yeah, he just like rolls over and he's like, oh, whatever. I'm high and drunk and nothing hurts. I'm good to go. Oh, they're blowing up and in pieces. That sucks for them, I guess. Exactly. 
But then uh, John continues, You lied to the authorities multiple times, Ryan, pinning the blame solely on the driver, your deceased best friend. You know what you did to his family? And you've only gotten worse over the years. Ryan admits it. He says that he wants to live. And John's like, me too. And then he reveals that an intern mislabeled his x-ray when he was being diagnosed. And therefore he was like diagnosed too late and they couldn't treat his cancer. Blah. Yeah, they could have sent me to Sweden to do some weird experimental thing if it wasn't for this one thing. Yeah. And but I'll work on that later. Then John says that he and Anna were neighbors and that she and his husband, his husband, she and her husband uh, were very kind and like good to him and supportive when he was first going through chemo and he thanks them for that. He then says that he knows Anna and her husband didn't always get along, especially after enduring the death of a child, because that's such a difficult thing to go. But then he questions, how did the baby really die? And we cut to the baby crying, screaming its lungs out in its crib, and Anna's losing it. She's gripping a pillow in her hands. And then it's implied that she suffocated the baby and then put him in the bed next to her husband, accused him of rolling over on him and whatever. Then the husband was taken away. He was eventually institutionalized. And while he was institutionalized, he killed himself. Yeah. Uh, taken away. It seems like he was taken away because he lost his mind over the guilt over what he had done. Mm -hmm. Not so much taken away because, hey, you killed your kid. You're going to jail. No, He's taken away by the police from the house. You don't, because that, that's something that happens and people don't go to jail. I know, that, but right? like first he's taken away for that. Then he's, it shows him like in a hospital being like dragged down the hallway in an institution and John saying yeah. like he, he couldn't live with himself and whatever. And then it shows that he hanged himself while well, institutionalized because he couldn't live with the guilt. So John says that both Ryan and Anna, they simply have to assume responsibility for who they are. We then cut to Logan and Detective Douche's cars. They're driving through the countryside and it's like all flat. And I'm like, how do they not see this car following them? <laughs> it's an empty road with nobody yeah, on it. They're the only two cars on this road and it's all flat as ass land in the country. Actually, ass is a lot curvier than this land. So I don't know, man. They pull up to the farm. Eleanor's explaining that she found it through the virus. It's Tuck's pig farm, and it was owned by Jill Tuck's family, which is John's wife. And then Keith is calling Detective Douchebag, who's pulling up behind them, and Douchebag sends it to voicemail. So cops are at Detective Douche's apartment, and they open up the freezer, and they find all the little flesh pieces of the jigsaw like cutouts in his freezer. And I'm like, if this was actually him... Why would he keep that evidence in his freezer as a police officer? Like he would get rid of all the fucking evidence clearly being framed. This is such bullshit. And the way they're well, vacuum sealed yeah, in these little exactly. <laughs> like, little thing. It if it was actually him, do you like Detective Douche does not have that sort of mind to this, in my opinion. Like it would be in like a Ziploc no. sandwich bag, all of them like shoved into the corner of the one bag. Like right between some frozen pizzas or something. It would just would not yeah. it might as well should have had like a little gift wrap and a bow for detective keith here you go yeah evidence should have been like gone girl where they're like oh we found clue number one and it's literally like an envelope label as clue one <laughs> exactly oh god uh, okay, so we cut back to Logan and Eleanor. They're at the farm. They're walking through the various rooms and they see the shackles and the chains. And then they see the saw doors and Detective Douche is following them. So Logan's like, oh, this is where 
Buckethead was probably nearly decapitated. Eleanor's like, it's Jigsaw. And Logan's like, he's dead. And she's like, is he? Not for nothing. At this point, why not say that? Yeah. Like, screw it. And then they hear some sort of clatter. So then they go off towards the noise. We cut to John. He's waxing poetic about how compassionate pigs are. Man, I should have looked up. Is it true of a pixies that you're sad? It's sad too. I have no idea. I, I should have looked it up, but I didn't. John's going on. If you want to earn your freedom, you have to learn. You have to realize you've been doing it backward. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn it all around. He pulls out a shotgun. He has one bullet and he says, this is the key to your freedom and then loads the shotgun. Now the game is simple. The best ones are you have one shotgun. You have one shell. Like I said, it's up to you. And he puts the gun like in this holster in between them both. And then he leaves and like he takes like the table with his like weird gearbox thing that he was working on all along with him that just like wheels it out of the room and then closes his big door like in the bathroom and farewell John. Never to be seen or heard from again till later on. But, <laughs> you know, I want like a Saw like mini movie or a short film of Jigsaw sitting in a room writing out these little phrases <clears throat> that, are, that mean like nine things like, all right, um... The key to no wait, hold on. The key to get out will be in the shell. No, I can't believe that. That's too that's too obvious. All right. Um I'm loading the key into your mind. No, no, that's too that's too forced. Um, <laughs> the key is loaded in a place you can see. No, no, that doesn't work either. Like I wanna go through this as the writer in me wants to just be there. For the process. As he's like Yeah, the process of him. All right. Um you're looking at this the wrong way. No. Reverse your thinking. No. Uh, backwards. Yeah. Um, it's backwards the way you're doing things. No, that's not exactly right. But I kind of like the backwards thing. Let's see. Uh, oh, you know, man. You know, a bunch, a bunch of paper like, like crunched up on the ground. Anyways, we cut back to Logan and Eleanor. They, Logan has an axe now and they're exploring the barn. Logan starts questioning how Eleanor could say that Jigsaw isn't dead. He is. There was an autopsy. He had a grave. Eleanor says he's not. Jigsaw lives forever through the work of his followers. Then they find the spiralizer that like she had in her shop. Logan turns on her like and tries to pretend to turn it all on her again. He's like, it's you after all. And then Detective Douche comes up behind Logan and grabs him and tells them both that they have to drop their weapons. Logan drops the axe. Eleanor drops the gun. And then Logan disarms Detective Douche, I can't explain it, but... Yeah, he pulls the gun up down the table and then, like, does some weird judo thing yeah. to... Point suppressor thing to maneuver the gun out of his hand, which is a pretty cool move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Detective Douche hits Logan over the head and then goes after Eleanor, who's run away. We cut back to Anna and Ryan, and she says that she has to kill him. That's the only way out, and she grabs the gun, and just as she's about to pull the trigger, Ryan figures it out, and he says, he said we got it backwards! Like, don't shoot! It's gonna reverse backwards! And then she shoots the gun, and it shoots backwards instead, and shoots her through the head, and she dies. He looks over, and he sees these bent keys on the floor, and the keys were inside the shell the whole time. Just like John said, this is the key to your escape, or whatever it was. And now yeah. they're all bent out of shape because she shot the shotgun and they will not work in the locks. And they don't have a sword to sort their foot's off because no. he hasn't even thought of that yet. Yep. So Ryan shall die as well. 
just like Adam did. Dies of starvation, chained to a bathroom wall. I think it's like the room that you slaughter the pigs in. Yeah, because it was real. It was real clean and clinical yeah. to play the room. So, so detective douchebag is working around the barn trying to find Eleanor, and then he is stabbed with a happy juice needle. Then it shows Logan waking up. He's in a collar trap, and at this point, they almost got me for a second. I was like, wait, what? Why is he in the trap? Was I wrong? And detective douche is in the same trap across from him. It's the laser cutters from the beginning of the movie. Callback. Yeah, they're all around the collar. And then it's tape time. Hello, gentlemen. You came looking for the game. Congratulations. You found it. You are the final two players. You may recognize the device around your collar. Dr. Neslin, these laser cutters slice through tissue and bone like butter. The most powerful blade on the planet. You both have an opportunity to live. All you need to do is confess. It's that easy. If you admit to the reason that you deserve to die, you can escape death. I will be listening. Make your choice. The game will select one of you to begin in 60 seconds. Unless, of course, someone chooses to go first. So Logan says that neither of them should press a button. Did I mention that there's a set of buttons in front of them? So Detective Douche says, don't worry, he'll go first. But then he presses Logan's button instead. And Logan gets pulled back into the wall. The laser cutters like turn on and they start slowly turning towards his head. And he's saying that he's just screaming like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And then he admits that he's the one who messed up John's x-rays. We get like this cut back to him being an intern. He's like, I was careless, blah, 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 whatever. But then the laser's still. He does do that. But it looks like out of everybody that's in any of these traps in these nine movies, it looks like it was a literal honest mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They should have shown him drinking on the job or getting high. Something. Exactly. But anyways, the lasers still turn on him and he starts spurting blood around his neck. And at this point, I was like, oh, this is fucking fake. That's not what would happen. They just said that the lasers cut through bone and all this shit. And he just gets like a little bit of blood and falls over. Mm-mm. Nope, 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 nope. Don't believe it. Not going. For a second. And then we hear the voice say, your turn, detective. Confess. He admits, he, at first he's like, no, no, I didn't do anything. And then he's like, okay, I, I tampered with evidence. I took bribes. Well, rapists and murderers walked free because of me. Innocent people died because of me. And then the lasers turn off. At this point, we get dun 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 And dun, dun. Logan gets up. He removes the collar. The lasers are harmless. Actually, no, right before he gets up, Detective looks up and sees like the marks that the laser made on the ceiling over his head. Because mm-hmm. when they were on, he looks over the other guy and doesn't see the marks there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I missed that part. And then it shows that there are blood packs inside of his collar. And Logan admits that he is the new version of Jigsaw. Surprising no one. Yeah, exactly. And he recorded uh, Detective Douchebag's confession to frame him. And then he starts like this whole speech in which he says 10 years ago, so many fucking times and it pissed me off. I wrote it out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 10 years ago in this barn, a game was played and then it reveals the bodies. He like pulls up a sheet and it's like Anna and Ryan's decomposed bodies. And we get a flashback to John setting up the bucket trap. And we continue with this voiceover of Logan. I know this because I was one of the players. Jigsaw put me in that game 10 years ago. I mixed up this, his x-ray. Shows Logan cutting his back on the saws. Like he, he was one that was asleep for too long and whatever. And then he cuts his back. And John goes running in to save him. And Logan continues. John decided I didn't deserve to die over an honest mistake. It shows John sewing him up. He gave me a second chance. So now, 10 years later, 
and then I have brackets. Please say 10 years one more time. Um, I re- you have to. It's the rule of threes. You got to say it one more time. No, he already said three times. Oh, did he? All right. He already three times. I recreated Jigsaw's game with criminals from your failed cases. I wanted my game to be identical to Jigsaw's. So I went through your cases and found players just like the ones in the original game. I gave them the same choices that Jigsaw did a decade ago. And I'm like, not exactly, but I'll take it. Jigsaw put five people in his game. I put in three. You and I are in the last two. I wanted to see if I was as worthy as him, as talented. And then he turns on the lasers on Detective Douchebag's collar. We can see that they're cutting through the ceiling. They are real. Edgar Munson was let free because he was Detective Douchebag's informant, and then he killed Logan's wife. Detective Douche is like, well, Jigsaw gave people like a choice and a like, chance to live. You're not doing that. And Logan goes, you have a choice. Scream or don't. I created a game that appeared to be run by Jigsaw, and it shows Logan editing Jigsaw's audio files to create the new tapes, which we have already talked about. And then it shows Logan shot Edgar with like a sniper from like a roof across the street. He's the one who shot him in the chest. And then he swapped the bullets and planted the blood underneath the Vic's nails, John's blood. And this is my problem here because we know this from the OJ case. <laughs> When you have a blood sample, you have to put preservatives in it, like chemical preservatives to keep the blood alive. So if he had used the blood from that sample to put underneath the victim's nails, they would have come up with this preservative in it and they would have known that it's not that Jigsaw's alive. They would be like, okay, this was from a sample. It has to be like somebody from the lab. Not only that, would they still have that readily available in the lab 10 years after he died? Yeah, that's another thing. Probably not. Um, Also shows him planting the pieces in the freezer. And he says that Eleanor will be his alibi. And then he goes, 10 years ago, (laughs) I came out of the war a broken man. Jigsaw put the pieces of my life back together again. He gave my life purpose. And we flash back to John telling Logan they're both like working on something together. And Logan's getting frustrated with whatever he's working on. And he says, we can never come from anger or vengeance. You taught me that. And Logan says, but then there will never be justice. And John says, but there will be because we'll speak for the dead. And then it reveals that Logan is making the reverse bear trap. Then he continues. Now I speak for the lives ruined by people like you, murderers, rapists, their victims appeared on my table because of you. And then he activates the lasers and it slices through his head. And he looks like a demi Gorgon from uh, stranger things. It was so like Debbie Gorgon-esque. Anyways, and then Logan says, I speak for the dead and closes the door. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, credits. I hated this movie. <sighs> yeah, I, I can't. I didn't hate it. I can't say I, I liked it more when I watched the first time. This time I was just baffled at how a movie that was written to be such a Saw movie was, and with so many references, was so anti-Saw that, as this movie was. Mm-hmm. Fixing this movie is difficult because they have halfway decent ideas. We can start, you want Logan to be the new Jigsaw disciple. How was he broken when he came back from the war? Never show it. They show him being a good dad to his daughter, but that was that's kind of a pointless thing there because that never plays into anything. Mm-hmm. Wife gets killed. There's one throwaway line when Keith first talks to him. Hey, how you doing? Like, how you been doing? I've been meeting talking to you ever since Christine, blah, blah, blah. They have things there, but they don't really show it to you that much. All right, you want yeah. 
Eleanor to be a red herring. You kind of wrote her into being a Saw fan or like an obsessive. Lean into it. Not Don't just say, hey, she's getting off on this. No, hey, have her have a Saw tattoo or whatever. You know, it's just something. Have Logan walk around that she's on the Saw website in the lab. You know, they already proved that she does go on. And, you know, there's stuff you can do. Detective douchebag. All right, you don't want to feel bad when he dies, so you make him a douchebag. This whole movie, he's actually doing good police work. Mm-hmm. All his sins that he's being punished for now, he's not doing any of those things in this movie. This movie, he's actually being a quote-unquote good cop. So he's acting skeedy because he has to. You know what sucks? He might be doing the best police work out of any cop in any of these movies. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Like, he's actually being a decent detective. He's just a garbage human being. Like before, when we were talking, like something's off. He's running consistently, but I couldn't place my finger on what it was till now. It was that. You want him to be bad? Show him cutting corners. Show him beating up suspects. You know, all they have him do is sexually harass Eleanor and just be creepy the entire movie. Yeah. Real skeezy and just real, like, dirty, just real, a bad human being, but he's been a good cop. So it's almost like you don't want to believe that. You're a bad person, Mm -hmm. because that I can see. But I haven't seen you be a bad cop. Like, Detective Donnie, you saw him being a bad cop the entire movie. He he was a, I don't know if he was a good dad. He was a, he cared about his son. But he was being a bad cop the entire movie. So when you see him losing his mind and being punished for it, subconsciously you could justify it. But here you don't, you don't connect. They're not connecting A and B here. They're telling you about all the stuff he's done, but every every time they had it to show it to you, they didn't. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's a huge problem in storytelling. You need to show you don't tell, right? Yeah, they're showing that he's a douche as a human being, but he's a good cop from what his work is in this movie. These movies have a lot of flashbacks when it's like, this is what the person did, and they show you the yeah. thing the, the person did, but they never, they just tell you when it comes to him. There's no flashbacks of him being a bad cop. No. And then even if they're not being overt about it, like you in the back of your mind have only seen him do good police work. I agree with that problem. And then all the other ones that we brought up throughout of all these plot holes about how that game taking place 10 years ago, but being the most high tech jigsaw game ever doesn't make sense. The forensic issues. Uh, it's like somebody just decided not to research anything about forensics and just, you know, was like, oh, this is convenient for the plot that I want to spin and I'm going to put that in. A glaring hole. He ran a separate game with three people that they own. And these were the bodies that had turned up in this movie, obviously. He also found a person snatcher that killed a lady because he said, I needed to find people that did the same thing. So he found a Mitch that sold a faulty motorcycle to a young kid that had then was hit by a truck. Uh, they found a lady purse snatcher that stole a purse with $3 in it. And then the person that had the purse stolen from died of asthma attack that could have been saved. Yep. And they all happen to be identical twins to original victims. And so they find these people and they were all not only identical twins, they also were tied to failed cases that the detective was running mm-hmm. so they weren't really innocent people of course it probably would have taken you 10 years to find people to fix this exact <laughs> criteria <laughs> he may have been trying to do this movie for this, this this trap for like the past 10 years i'm like man these people just don't fit i need to keep on looking and then iCarly was a, a mess so you knew the next person you were going to give the iCarly shot to wouldn't just hey that's the number that makes sense to me I'm going to save myself and not inject myself with the hydrofluoric acid it just none of it makes sense you could bring Carrie always back because you could have made a movie with him 
Well, that's what I was hoping for, you know, because we ended the last movie with this reveal that he has been involved the whole entire time. He kills Hoff. And like, we still don't know who those two other accomplices and the pig masks were. Like, I, I was hoping maybe this movie would address that. But no. What would you rate this film? So for for the blindness of it, I had to go like five. It was just like blah. It's the most forgettable of all of them. At least the other ones aren't forgettable. They just all mesh together. This was just forgettable. Yeah, I really did not enjoy this movie. I would probably rate it, I would say, a three. Hey, wow, it got lower than the triggered one. Yeah, because, yeah, I did know how like things were going to go along a bit in number four. It didn't have as many plot holes. And plot holes really pissed me off because it's just lazy writing. And you could have addressed these things. You could have done a little bit more work and figured this out, but you decided to be lazy instead. And that really frustrates me because you're, you know, taking our money. Huh. Sorry, I'm doing the math right now. And it's very funny because I thought that my score would be less than yours. Okay. I'm at 53. You're at 43. Does that ring true to you? But I guess me looking at the series as a whole, because now we could actually do the the one thing we could only do once every season end is rate the series as now, mm-hmm. now that we've seen all eight. Do I think this is a 40% series, which is what my numbers tell me they are? I have to agree, actually. Now, as I'm, I still like the series. I still think they're fun movies. I'm not, this is not me saying don't watch these movies. But if I have to, like, think how many movies would I say, yo, you have to see this movie? I think three is a must watch. You have to watch three. Three is, to me, the peak of the Saw franchise. One for... One you for the first one you have to go in cold. I think that that one makes sense. The that one is best watched, you know, without knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. But if you just watch this movie as a trilogy, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I did not like this series as it went on. I feel like they lost the plot a whole bunch of times. I hated how Jigsaw's ethos evolved from something that seemed like slightly righteous and like I not that I could get behind it I'm never gonna get behind putting three people in dangerous situations there where they could be murdered but like I understood him from the first movie in a way then it just got worse and worse and it's like him just attacking mental health and drug addiction and being very close-minded and gross and then there's all the misogyny that really builds throughout the series and how terribly they treat women throughout it and all of that was really gross to me and then i'm not a huge gore fan so although the traps are cool in theory it grosses me out again so i would say that my score would be more like 40 percent for this series overall did not like this series would not recommend watching it as a series in my opinion um had way too many problems with it is it still your favorite series the, the problem is if I, if I say no, I don't know what to replace it with at the moment. But hey, it, now the, the now the podcast becomes a search for just new favorite horror series. We need to replace it. We need to replace it. Because the only one I could think of is Friday the 13th, but that one has its own set of problems. We'll see one day when we cover my favorite series, Scream. I'm pretty sure it holds up for me other than Scream 3, which is terrible. <laughs> because I'm curious to see how Scream 4 holds up, actually. That's the one I'm curious about the most. I'm realizing that I might have done wrong math on yours. You might be more than 40%. I think I missed her. Let me see. Yeah, I thought 40 was low because I don't think I gave any. It doesn't make sense. Okay, so. I thought I'd only given one four and a bunch of fives. I can see me being around 50 something. No, you're 60%. Yeah, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. I I skipped an eight in there. (laughs) 
You skipped Saw 3, probably. Yeah, I, the... I skipped Saw 3 when I was doing it. There we go. This makes so much more sense now. Yeah, I still go with my 40 seems about right. Overall, trilogy it up, watch the first three movies, and just forget that Jeff's daughter's trapped somewhere, <laughs> and she's fine somewhere, and then you'll be fine. You'll be good to go. Yeah. All you need to know is that she gets rescued and is never seen from or heard from again. That's it. Yeah. She yeah, she goes off to live on a farm. She gets to run around and be happy. But then all the pigs get murdered. And <laughs> yeah. And they use them to drown a, a judge. But that's neither here nor there. You know, that's neither. Uh well, anyways, this has been an interesting journey through the Saw series together. I wish I could say it was fun. <laughs> it was fun talking to you about it. It wasn't fun for me. To watch. I was. I still say it was fun. I still enjoyed it. You know, maybe the talking, I, the talking about a part is a part. I mean, made me. The talking about a part has been fun. The watching of it, it started. Probably after movie four, it started to feel like a chore to me because I was so triggered from movie four. And then my process of the way that I watch it, because I'm taking such intense notes, it's it takes a really long time for me to get through each movie. And yeah. it's harder to enjoy a movie that way in the first place, but on top of which I wasn't enjoying the subject matter. So, But on the bright side, we're turning the page, right. we're out of saw, and now we have a nice little palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know, our season two will be covering paranormal activity, but before we jump into that, we're going to do this palate cleanser. And what is it, Jeff? We are starting a series, an actual TV series. Um, it came out earlier, I mean, later last year, later-ish uh, last year, Truth Seekers. Yeah. I know next to nothing about it. Haven't seen it, so now I get to be the one who knows nothing about about the movies we're watching. Uh, the what we're watching going in. I know nothing either. I watched the first episode today. I enjoyed it, but I'm wondering if you will because it is the same creators and minds that are behind Shaun of the Dead, The World's End, etc. We'll see. You know, as I always do, I'll, give, I'll come in with an open mind. It's been real fun. We'll be back with The Truth Seekers next week, both of our episodes dropping. And in the meantime, you can hang out with us on social media. You can join the Facebook group at Series of Horrors Podcast or join us on Instagram. Or you can email us at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com. And please, like I've been saying, if you like what you're listening to and you think we're cool people, which, of course you do, because we're awesome. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all all the happiness. And please, please, please give us some feedback. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're enjoying. We'd love to know. Send Jeff recipes as well. Yes, yes, send me recipes. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking for a good brownie recipe. So if somebody could send me a cool one, I'm looking to make brownies. That's my next thing. I'm not much of a baker, but, I'm trying, but I really like brownies. So I want to see... Or a carbonara. If you can make a good carbonara recipe, that'd be, you know, that'd be a good one too. And still, no one has told us where the line, where's my son, is from. So, if you know that, we we have not forgotten, and we still have forgotten where it's from, though. So let us know. Yeah. Still have no idea, but we'd love to know. If you would tell us, that'd be great. All right. Well, we'll see ya, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. See you next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye.